Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We all know that money matters. For our culture, the topic of money and giving is one of the most difficult things the Bible addresses, yet the Bible speaks clearly and abundantly on it. Starting this Sunday, we will explore what the Bible has to say about how we as Christians are called to steward and use our finances for our joy. Let's listen in. Do you have a quick second? I can ask you a question on your lunch break about money. Okay, can I ask you a question about money while you're walking? Quick question for you about money. Ma'am, this is a very nice coat you're wearing. Thank you. Stick together, guys. Stay close. Stick together. But you live down here? Yes, I do. Yes. You can't be poor to live down here. No, no. Yeah, I mean, you're probably making... <laughs> How much do you make a year? How much money do you make a year? I don't know. Sir, do you work at the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah. Are you a very, very wealthy businessman? No. How much do you make? Uh, I'm not going to say that. Oh. Dude, how much do you give? I don't give anything because I have student loans to pay off. The Lincoln Memorial, people. The Lincoln Memorial. I never thought I'd see it. Give me a number. How much did you give last year? About fifteen hundred dollars. I don't know. Hundred dollars? Hundred bucks? I gave a dollar to a homeless man once. One dollar. So that would be like point zero 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 four percent of what you made, probably. I probably give away about fifteen percent of my income. Like five percent? Maybe two. I don't know. Two percent? Yeah. About a quarter. Twenty-five percent? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow, that's very generous. Yeah. Are you wealthy? No. <laughs> well, I donated, like, clothes to the homeless and... Careful. Look out. Excuse me, sir. Oh. Woo! Are you familiar with the tithe? 10%. Yep. Every check that you make, like, you're supposed to give 10%. It's basically giving what you have back to God. You just came out of a church. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you know what tithing is? No. Come on, baby. No big deal. Little spin move here. Inside out, backwards, and spinning it, baby. One leg. Oh. Say you only make $10,000 a year or something. Should you still give 10%? I would say it depends on your priorities. Doesn't leave you a whole lot with food. The number one priority before anything is you get your paycheck and you give 10% and then you do your, your bills, awesome. things like that. I think that's awesome. I'll try to lead. You just follow. And right under, back around, lead under. I'm okay. How much money do you make a year? It's really hard to say. 20 million? 20 million? 2 million. How much again? 20 million. A year? Yes. Wow. Are you a generous man with, with that money? No. Not at all. You're not? Do you wish you were more generous? No. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Well, once again, good morning, Motion City. We are kicking off a uh, brand new teaching series. Justin, I'm going to give this to you because uh, I don't know. Oh, I just ripped it. Um, maybe you want Kira back before, but may, so I'll just give it just in case. 
I'll let you make the decision. But man, good morning. So glad you're in church this morning. So glad, so good to see everyone this morning. Hopefully you enjoy that video. We've got two more weeks of uh, Nick in New York and his shenanigans coming up uh, for the remainder of this series. And, uh, and so for the next three weeks, like we've talked about with the discussion questions, like the video introduced and like Nancy shared, uh, over the next three weeks, we are going to be talking about the topic of money. And uh, I know for some of you, maybe you're like, man, I knew I should have slept in this morning. I knew I should have shut the alarm off. But no, seriously, I am so glad you're here because, man, I think what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks uh, in a series called Money Matters is so important because here's, here's a huge little secret. Money matters. Now, it's true, right? Money matters, and, and money matters to you. Money matters to me. And more important than money simply mattering to our existence, what matters the most is how we manage the money in which God has blessed us with. And so it's not so much about the money you have or wish you have or don't have. It's about what are you doing with that money. Are you using your finances? Are you practicing uh, fi your finances in a way that would honor God? And over the next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the topics that money matters. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at money matters to you. Money matters to the church is week two. And money matters to God in week three. And now... Um, all of these play into each other, and so what I want to encourage you is I always tell people just don't miss a week at church because uh, we are a church that happens to believe that whenever we gather, God has, is, is, is capable of doing just about anything. And so I always tell people don't miss any uh, weeks of church, but do not miss the next three weeks because all of these topics are going to be playing into each other. And, and so we are going to be diving into what the Word of God says about money, about what God says to do with it, how we're supposed to view it, and what plays into the greater and greatest call, and that is the role that money plays in advancing the kingdom of God. Because if I want my money to do anything, I want it to forward the kingdom of God. I want my money to be a part of people, whether it's this city, this neighborhood, this state, nation, or, or other nations around the world. I want my money to play a factor, play a role in people coming to know Jesus and the kingdom of God advancing. But this morning, in the time that we have remaining, we're going to be looking at the topic that money matters to you. And so this morning, I was thinking about, when I was thinking about this series, I was remembering uh, when I was about eight or nine years old, I was a pudgy little kid and, and, and not, at, not so much inclined to the physical labor. And, and so I remember one year, uh, we, we were living in Highland Park, just a stone's throw away from here, kind of in the Matt Groveland neighborhoods of St. Paul. And, and it had just snowed, and I was sitting on the couch with my little brother, and my mom came up to me and said something that she'd never said before. And it was very perplexing, and it was very confusing. And she said, Steve, you need to go outside and you need to shovel. Now, here's the deal. Shoveling was dad's job. So immediately I was concerned. Did dad die? And she goes, no, dad didn't die. And, 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 and because in my mind, just shoveling was what dad did. And, and, and so she goes, no, dad didn't die. It's, you have to go out and shovel. And so I was reluctant and, and, and kind of probably belligerent. And, and I was, was stomping around the house. And so I went down to our little, our little entryway. And I put on my snow pants. And I put on my boots. And I put on my hat and my gloves. And I walked out to the garage with dad, mind you. And we got this beast of a blue shovel that he used to use to shovel uh, the driveway and the sidewalks. 
And, and, and so I went outside once again with my dad, got the shovel, and headed outside. And my dad kind of gave me the lay of the land. It felt very much like Mufasa and Simba. Like everything the eye sees, you're about to shovel. And it was one of, the, one of those moments where he began to explain, like, okay, so this is how I, how I do it, and this is my system, and this is my goal. And then what I didn't, what I knew, but I didn't realize, because you never realize it till you start shoveling, is that we lived on a corner which meant that we just didn't have the front of our house to deal with. I had the street side of our house to deal with. And then not even so I'm like thinking, man, I'm, okay, so I got the our front of the house. But then there's the walkway up to the front door. And then there's this little sidewalk that we had on the side of our house that went the entire length of our house and then through the backyard to the end of the, I mean, it had to be at least 15 miles of solid shoveling that I was about to partake in. And, and, and so I couldn't just shovel the front. I couldn't just shovel the side. But, man, I had, I had a good, good shoveling experience ahead of me. And, I mean, in, eight or nine, at my, in the eight- or nine-year-old brain, I mean, it, it, it took, man, all day. But more realistically, probably an hour. But it took all day. And, and, and do you ever, this is just, I just thought it was, I was chuckling. Do you remember the first time that you shoveled? And you thought it would be a really good idea to keep the handle of the shovel in front of you because then you get like the forward momentum. And then as you shoveled, you hit a piece of uneven concrete and you got gutted with the shovel, of that, the handle of that shovel. Man, that is something. That's why my dad goes, you stand to the side and you work. And I was like, nope, this is I'm in eight or nine. I am smarter, dad, because my forward momentum, because I was pudgy. I was like, it's going to be good momentum. And if I could go in downhill, watch out. And but all of a sudden, you remember that first time, uneven concrete and just... Shovel handle in the stomach. That was a wonderful lesson. But, uh, man, I got done, and I went inside, and I collapsed on the couch because I'm a, I'm a dramatic person. If you haven't figured that out yet, I'm a dramatic person. And I collapsed on the couch, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my mom came into the room, made some victorious trumpet-esque sound with her mouth, and handed me one dollar. One, I could not believe it. I had my very own, my own dollar. I had earned, the world was literally my oyster. I could literally buy whatever I wanted because I had a dollar. And immediately in my brain, I thought, I started thinking, how do I get more of these? How do I get more of these gorgeous green uh, car playing cards that, that have monetary value with presidents? I, I wanted to know how I could get more of these. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she hit me with, now just remember, God gets the first dime. What? This is, no, 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 Mom. I, I think you're confused because this is my dollar. Like, I, I, this, is, this is my dollar. And in one quick little moment... All of a sudden, the spirit of stingy came over my little prepubescent heart, and I began to exist in the world called, this is mine. See, now, I'd love to tell you uh, that as I've gotten older, there's been sort of mirac some miraculous moment where I just woke up one day, and all of a sudden, the spirit of stingy just didn't exist in my life anymore. But it's amazing that as I've gotten older, I've, it's actually become a greater battle in my life, this, this battle of, of finances and, and doing finances the right way. Because again, money matters. See, I can't pay my mortgage on good intentions. 
I can't buy groceries or clothes for my children who grow like weeds with positive thinking, and I can't pay off my, I can't pay off my wife's student loans. Saying what's real, babe. I can't pay off my wife's student loans with hopes and dreams. But man, money matters, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't money matter? I mean, and, and, and here's the deal. If I'm gonna be the only honest person here this morning, this is gonna be a rough day. But like, but really, like, can we just be honest? Like, money matters, right? You get that check, you get that direct deposit, man, something clicks inside of you. And and here's the thing that I, I love about God, is that God does not leave us absent. God does not leave us wandering on the topic of money. See, God has a lot to say about the topic of money, actually. The Bible, I love this, and this is so cool, the Bible offers about 500 verses on the topic of prayer throughout the entire scriptures, Old Testament to maps. Like, it is, there are 500 verses about prayer. There are fewer than 500 verses on faith but there are over 2,000 verses in the scriptures that deal with the topic of money. In fact, Jesus, in his three and a half years of public ministry, 15% of the things that Jesus taught were on the topic of money and possessions. This was more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Because, why would he do this? Because money, yes, I was hoping that that was going to happen. Thank you, everybody. You guys are paying attention. Jewels in the crown. Um, but money matters because money, it's, it's so amazing. Money has a control over the human heart that very few things in this world do. Like, I have lost $20 and been heartbroken and broken up with ex-girlfriends and be like, nah, it's all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, thank you. I'm just going to talk to Nate, because Nate is just making me feel good. No, but like, honestly, like, I have ended relationships and lost money and been more upset by the fact that I lost money. And, 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 and because it just has this control over our heart that very few things do. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through, through 21, Jesus instructs us, and in many cases today he's reminding us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is doing in this portion of Scripture, in this portion of the Gospel of Matthew, is not addressing an issue we have with our wallets, but what he's doing is he's addressing an issue that we each have in our hearts. See, guys, we cannot take possessions with us. Like, at the end of it all, I remember uh, seeing a bumper sticker back, back in the day, and when I was, like, you know, punk rock and wore my oversized black baggy sweatshirt, I used to put bumper stickers on the back of my sweatshirts, because that's what you did. And, uh, and, and I remember seeing a bumper sticker that says, you can't hook a U-Haul up to a hearse. And so there's this very sobering reality that at the end of this life, like, we all know, if we're followers of Jesus, we know that the end of this life is not the end of anything, but it's actually the beginning of something spectacular. But what it means is that everything in my life that I have found value in, everything in my life that I have put, placed priority on, will either eventually be thrown out into a dumpster or be sold for 25 cents at a yard sale eventually everything that I've acquired will be something that my girls argue over who gets stuck with. And then, like Jesus does, he makes a statement. 
at the end of this that doesn't tell people so much what to do, but really forces them and forces us to look at ourselves. And the question that Jesus is really asking is, where are, you, where are your heart's priorities? What he's really asking is, do the priorities of your heart match the priorities of mine? And so, if you're taking notes this morning, and I really hope that you are, and, 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 and to be totally honest, I, ju- I just learned this, that when you get to heaven, Peter's going to be there, and he's going to be checking your church notes at Motion City Church, and if you take good notes, you'll get better real estate in heaven. So if you want to live by Moses, take Moses' notes. If you want to be next to Jesus, take Jesus-type notes, but, but this is going to be a series, I believe, that if you take notes... In moments of struggle, I believe that if you go back to them, um, these will be notes of encouragement, not condemnation. Because again, like Nancy said, as we talk about money, my prayer is that you will not feel burdened or condemned. But my, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would just inspire you to do things His way. Because in this life, if you're going to do anything, I want to do it God's way. And my prayer is that you would do it as well. So um, this morning, with the time we have remaining, I just want to share three thoughts on the topic that it relates to us, God, and money. And thought number one is this. Money does matter, but God must matter more. Money does matter, but God must matter more. It's amazing. When I talk to people about how Jen and I spend our money, it is amazing how confused people get. They get confused so quickly when they find out that when we get paid, we take the first 10%. The first check that we write, the first thing that we do is we take 10% and we give it back to God. That's the biblical act of of tithing, taking the top 10% and giving it back to God as a tithe, as an offering. And then then they begin to like, wait, wait, the the first 10%. I'm like, yes, the first 10%. Before anything else, yes, before anything else. Before any bills are paid, before any money goes out to anything else, we give God back what is his. We give to God with our tithe, and then we give to our mission support. And I'll be honest, it's really, it's really, really exciting. There's been moments where it's been a struggle, and it's been a a, a battle, like I talked about at the beginning, where again, the spirit of stingy comes and exists within me, so, and I'm like, man, I could, what I could do with that 10%, God, and then I begin to list off all my reasons, and then just as God speaks to me, this is just how he speaks to me, he goes, yeah, that's great what you could do, but guess what I could do? And I'm like, but God, this is, and he goes, hey, remember those, those six days where I created every living thing? I made man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into him. Created every species of animal, insect. Separated the land from the sea, sky from the, the land, night from the day. Remember that sort of thing? That, 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 that's what I had with six days. Guess what I could do with 10%? And I'm like, there's just those moments where God checks me because, again, if I want things to to happen in my life in a God-honoring way, then I have to honor God. And so before we buy any food, before we pay off any student loans, before we do anything, we give God back what is his, because here's what I know, what I've I've learned and I am learning, is that I would rather live my life off of 90% of income that's blessed by God than 100% of my income that God has no part of. In a survey of, in 2016, uh, this is a survey of Christians in America, not Americans, but, but those who check the box and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a Christian. Uh, over this, this um, survey, over these surveys and this study, it was concluded that about half of Christian donors in 2016 gave less than $500 to the work of the local church and faith-based nonprofits. And as they dug a little bit deeper into the study, they concluded that only about 5% 
of Christians gave $5,000 or more to the local church last year. Now, as I did some study, the median household income in Minnesota is $59,000 a year, and that is saying that only about 5% of Christians gave $5,000 or more last year. And, and actually, uh, the studies have shown that it used to be 5 and now it's actually about 3 that only 3% are actually living out consistently the biblical call of tithing. And that's, again, giving the first 10% of your income back to God through the local church. And so what I have to conclude from the facts, what I was concluding as I was studying this, what I was concluding about myself, what I was uh, assuming about you, is that we want the blessing of God in our lives without the sacrifice that it takes to get there. That as Christians, our reverence to God is way less than our love of money. See, we bow to whichever God we trust more in the moment. And Jesus, going back to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, says that's not actually how that works. In Matthew 6, verse 24, he said, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, some of your translations in your Bibles, you may say you cannot serve both God and money, but what I want to make abundantly clear this morning is that the word is not money, it's, it's mammon. And what mammon is, is, is mammon is, is a spirit that exists over, over our finances. And Jesus says that there's a spirit over your money and you cannot serve the spirit over your money and God at the same time. You just can't. Mammon, uh, who, who Mammon is and what Mammon is, Mammon is, it was actually a, a god in, in Syrian culture that was worshipped in Babylon, and it was a spirit, the spirit of Mammon that was connected to our money. And I think I have a picture uh, of the dude. Um, this, this, is, this is Mammon. Great-looking dude. Trustworthy gentleman. And this is, and, 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 he, and again, he looks like a cool dude. And here's the struggle. If we just want to leave that up there just for, for a little bit, Chelsea, as I go through this. And this is, this is the struggle that exists within the human condition. See, because the spirit of mammon wants to say about your money that money is your source. And what God says is God says, he says, I'm your source. The spirit of mammon says, you need more money. You don't have enough. And God says, you are in need of nothing because I am everything that you could ever need. The spirit of mammon says you need to keep up with the Joneses so you need to get a bigger, a better, a faster, a shinier, a newer, whatever. And God says you don't have to keep up with anything or anyone, so leverage what you have for the kingdom of God. The spirit of mammon says you need to buy or spend your way out of a problem. You need to medicate your problem with the condition of spending. And God says that you need to repent of your sins and be obedient to what I'm calling you to be and do. The spirit of mammon, I believe, is so strong even today over people's finances that one of the things, like Nancy mentioned before, one of the things that we believe in, that we endorse, that we advertise is something called Financial Peace University. It's an incredible program that teaches and trains and equips people to live in financial freedom. It breaks the spirit of mammon over their money and over their lives. And, and, and so we've got another, we've already done one round of financial peace. We're hopefully going to be starting up another one pretty soon. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Nancy has been bugging me and she is also my mom, so I have to do what mom says. So financial peace will be coming soon. And I believe what God is telling some people today, and I feel it so strongly in my spirit as I woke up today, I just felt this so strongly. is that God will not take second chair to anything. He's either on the throne of your life or he's not. 
God does not share control with anyone or anything. In every area of life, we have to choose what will matter most. Every day we have to choose if our marriage matters more than our kids, if our kids matter more than our marriage, if school matters more than our, 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 our relationships, or, or if our hobbies matter more. But here's the, we have to choose which will matter more. And especially in our finances, we have to choose who will exist on the throne of our lives. And here's just the truth, guys. Money does matter, but God must matter more. So that leads us to thought number two. Thought number two is this. Your expenses will follow your priorities. Your expenses will follow your priorities. In Matthew chapter 19, we see Jesus, and he is in full-blown public ministry mode. He is like tent revivaling. He's on TBN. He's putting out podcasts left and right. Like Jesus is in full-blown. Man, he is, man, people are quoting him on Twitter and, and, and hashtagging him on faith and all this sort of thing. Like he's, people are Snapchatting. I mean, he is in full-blown ministry mode, and, and he's teaching and he's healing. And starting in verse 16, we get to listen in on a conversation that Jesus is having with a young man who is very rich, the Bible says, and this is how their conversation goes. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, you, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which one? Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love and, and love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept since my youth... What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, only like Jesus can do, Jesus cuts through all the periphery issues and gets right to the issue at hand. Jesus, discerning that although this rich young ruler has kept all these commandments of the law since his youth, Jesus leaves and intentionally, I believe, out the one that still has a grip on this kid's heart. And that is found in Exodus ch chapter 20, verse 3, and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And here's the deal. We can talk a lot about what our priorities are, but our bank statement proves where our real priorities are at. And if we're not careful, what was a preference can it turn into an unhealthy priority? And that can quickly turn into a God in our lives. And again, God does not share his throne with anything or anyone else, and we have to guard against giving God's throne away to money and to things and to possessions. The thing that makes me the most sad about the story of the rich young ruler is that he walks away sad, unable to take the one step closer to Jesus that I believe would have freed him from the bondage that he found himself in. Be careful not to put your financial priorities on the wrong things because they could easily become a prison for you. Thought number three is this. Is that it's, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Guys, all the cards on the table, if you want your finances blessed like only God can bless them, then you have to submit your finances to God. And when I say submit, I mean submit. Lay it down, leave it at the foot of the cross, and don't pick it up again. Now, I've been a full-time pastor in full-time ministry since about 2008, which is, as I was thinking about it, a really long time. 
And without, without fail, whether I've been the lead pastor here, whether I've been the youth pastor at River Valley, or whether I was an associate pastor at Northwood Church in Louisiana or Summit Church in St. Paul, whenever we would begin to talk about money, there would be somebody who would always come up and begin to discuss with me or email us as a church that when we begin to talk about money, uh, talking about how tithing is not actually in the Bible, they would talk to us about how it's, uh, tithing is not actually a New Testament thing. And without fail, somebody would come up and we'd begin to argue this topic of money. And, and, and I, I left these conversations so discouraged and so bewildered. And I'm like, how can you trust God with your eternity and not trust him with your money? I mean, how can we trust God with the scope of the life that is to come and not trust him with our finances here on this earth? And as we look throughout the Bible, what we see is that when people have a true encounter with God, their finances follow. In Genesis chapter 3, we've got Cain and Abel, two brothers. Abel has an encounter with God, and he offers God the best of his flock as an offering back to God, just simply because God is God. In Genesis 14, Abraham, he experiences some, some military victories, and he gives God a tithe, 10% of the possessions that he owns and the possessions that he had just acquired. He offers 10% back to God as a tithe. In Genesis 28, Jacob has an encounter with God and offers God a tenth of what he owns. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, he becomes king. He has a greater experience with God and experiences greater wisdom than he's ever known before, and he begins to sacrifice and give offerings to God above and beyond what was ever required. In Malachi chapter 3, God says very specifically, if you want to see something happen in your life spiritually, then there is a connection to your finances. You have to bring back the tithe. You have to put money, not in its proper place, but in the place that I determine for it to be. If you want something to happen spiritually in your life, your money has to follow. Mark chapter 10, the disciples are having a discussion with Jesus and they begin to explain to him, and Jesus, we left everything to follow you. We left family. We left jobs. Some of us left the family business in which we were about to inherit. And, and, and Jesus tells them, he, is, he, he reassures them that you will be taken care of, not just in this life, but in the life to come, in the age to come. In Acts chapter 10, there was a guy by the name of Cornelius. He was a Roman citizen who converts and begins to follow Jesus with his life. And then rather being stingy with his money and with his finances, he begins to live a life of generosity, beginning to give money to the local church, to the poor, and he begins to live generously because the encounter that he had with Christ was so real. A little bit of church history, this guy Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he's actually the Gentile that's the first one to actually get it, and this was the beginning of what we refer to as the New Testament church. See, we're here because Cornelius said yes to Jesus. An encounter with God, guys, changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. And here is my fear. When it comes to this church and to, other, and, and, and to what the, the Christian evangelical church has become, and here is my fear for us, is that we have grown way too accustomed to treating God more like he's our server at Applebee's. We'll give them a little something here and there based on the desired quality of service. And see, God, here, 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 here God, you know what? You did, some, you did good this week, so I'm going to give you a fiver. God, you did something, you know, you did something above and beyond what I expect you to do. So, you know, God, I'm, I'm feeling very, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give you 20. You did good. Keep it up, and, the, and, there, and there's more where, that's, that, where, where that came from. 
In the Motion City Church, let me tell you something this morning. God does not accept tips. He does not accept tokens. Going back to Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel, if you're unfamiliar with the story, Adam and Eve have children, which is a kind of another reason why we're here. Because they had kids. They had two sons by the names of Cain and Abel, and Abel was just a good kid. He was just a really good kid. And then there was Cain, who was, a, who was a good kid too, but he just kind of had a, a way about him. Kind of some unsettled things going on in his life. I, and, and, and we go to Genesis 4, and, and the heading of my Bible is, is Cain murders Abel. So obviously there was some, some discourse in the family. And in the story, Cain and Abel are about to bring an offering to God. And the Bible is very clear that God accepts Abel's offering and not Cain's. And when it comes to this idea that an encounter with God changes everything, why does God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's? And, and here's just the hard truth. Is God gave Abel the best of what he had. And Cain gave God whatever was lying around. And this morning... If you want your finances to be blessed, then you have to do it God's way. Nothing partial. It's all or nothing. God is an all or nothing God because he gave us everything through the person of Jesus. And as we close this morning, Mike, if you just want to start playing that song I asked you to play. If you're taking notes, I want to give you guys a big idea. Kind of the big, the big idea that I want us to take away this morning is this. Is that God's more interested in the condition of your heart than he is the condition of your wallet. This morning, God is more interested in the condition of your heart than he is with the condition of your wallet. Guys, all of this this morning, this whole series, but everything that we've talked about so far this morning has more to do with the condition of our hearts than it does with the condition of, your, of our wallets. And my prayer for you this morning and my prayer for me this morning is that we would know that when we encounter God's grace, when we would encounter his mercy, when we encounter the salvation that only Jesus can offer, that everything in our life would change. My prayer for some of you is that today, this morning, you would encounter God's grace in a new way. Not because I want to hook you into giving. That's not what this is about. I don't want to, I don't want to like pitch this spiritual thing, make you feel bad, and then, then, then when, the, when, when, when the meat's right, you hook it. That's not my intention. I don't want to trick you into giving. But what I want you to know and what I've been praying for you about is this. I don't, want to, I don't want to guilt you into giving, but what I want for you, what I want for you this morning is I want to see God bless your life in ways that you have been hoping for. And that God would bless your lives in ways that you couldn't even have imagined. And that first begins with a transformed heart. That first begins with allowing God into the spaces of your life that you don't let anybody in. It's about being honest with them about your successes and your failures, your assumptions and your expectations. And it's about throwing up the white flag of your life and saying, God, here's the deal. I can't do it. So I'm going to wave the white flag and surrender. I'm going to give up. 
I'm going to lay it all down before you. And here's what I love about God. Unlike any other state, nation, military in the world, when they give up, they lose all control and all power. When we surrender to the person of Jesus Christ, he picks us up and he gives us everything we, could, we were trying to earn without him. And he gives us everything. He blesses us. He breathes new life into us. He purposes us in new ways and new intentions and new directions. See, when we give up, we, we gain everything. My prayer is that you would experience the blessings of God in your life that would just astound and boggle you. But that begins with a transformed heart, and that continues with doing life God's way. And that includes our finances. Heavenly Father, I just, uh, God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that your word is alive, that it is active, that it continues to reveal new things. And God, so much of my life has been spent closing you off in this area of finances, closing you off in this area of giving, closing you off in this area of tithing because God, for some reason, I have the, the, the understanding that I could do better with it than you could. God, this morning, would you just remind us in a new way? God, that the only reason we have anything is because you give it to us. That we are just, con we are just funnels of stewardship in this life. And God, I just, it's so amazing how much you talk about finances and money in your word because God, it speaks to very often where we're at. And so God, would you just um, begin something in us this morning? Would you begin something new in us this morning when it comes to the time? Would we not live with the spirit of stingy over our lives? Would we not live submitting to the spirit of mammon over our, our finances? But God, would you just liberate us by your spirit and, and by your truth, God? Would you liberate us so that we could live life in, in a sense of generosity, in a sense of full commitment to who you are, to your church, to your mission, to your purpose? Because, God, none of us can take it with us. None of us can bring a, a, a possession into your glory because, man, what we value in, 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 man, in retrospective, the life that is to come, it would just be garbage. So, God, would you help us connect our hearts to your hearts so that we could live this life financially the way to God that you've called us to do it. So God, would you just begin to continue to speak to us in the next few hours and days ahead, and God, would you just move us into a new place that we've never been before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.